so I'm sort of still kind of coming down from that, but I'm excited about this morning as well. It's recorded in history by both believers and unbelievers alike that Jesus lived and he died on a cross and that he was the founder of the Christian faith and its followers. Yet what was not always agreed upon by scholars and historians is whether or not there's conclusive evidence that Jesus rose from the dead. All of Christianity hinges on the central fact of whether or not Jesus rose from the dead. If he didn't rise from the dead, then we are at a total loss for why we're meeting this morning and why we have faith. But the Bible teaches that Jesus appeared to over 500 people after his resurrection in different locations at different times. But with all of that evidence and everything that's in there, it still takes faith to believe that Jesus is the risen Son of God. You can have all the facts, all the data, everything you want, but unless you truly believe and take faith that God is alive today, it all is a little bit empty, but it all starts with our faith. So we're going to start in Luke 24 this morning and find out why God has a full life for us from an empty tomb. So if you've got your Bibles, your iPhone, or whatever this morning, let's go to Luke 24, and uh, starting in verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And then they went in and they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and they bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. And before I go on and tell the rest of the story, I'm just going to stop right there. Aren't you glad that Jesus is alive, that he rose? Jesus didn't just rise from the dead and leave us to it. No, he came to show us the whole way to life. He's called us to rise up out of the tomb because he rose up out of his tomb and had victory over life. Death was defeated at the cross. And even though it looked like it was over, you know, that's what these women thought, eh? They were preparing their spices. They were doing all their preparations at home on the Sabbath, the day before they went to the tomb. Jesus had died on the cross and they'd gone about all their preparations and got everything ready to embalm the body of Jesus. And they went along that morning expecting to find a dead body that is, you know, needed to put all the spices and everything on. And you can imagine their shock as they walked down the road and they got there and the stone was actually completely gone. And to their amazement, there's no body there. Their whole expectation was, I'm coming prepared to do what I need for this dead body. And then Jesus completely gone, and he's alive. And soon they find out, and you guys know some of the story, that they soon find out that he's actually alive. And Mary talks to the gardener, and the gardener says, Mary, it's me. And they come to their senses. But the amazing thing is, is that what I love is, is that these women... You almost get the picture. They weren't even expecting to find a risen Savior. They completely lost the, the whole story. They thought they were just coming to do their process. But here's Jesus, risen from the dead, breathed new life into him, and he's not there. And I get that to picture sometimes of what we're like. We come thinking that things are over. You know, things are dead. Maybe there's an area or a part of our lives where we feel like things are actually dead. They're gone. And yet Jesus is not finished. He's got so much more that he wants to do. And I don't know where everyone's at this morning in this room, but I feel like, you know, sometimes we can come thinking like that. Oh, I'm just coming to do what, I've been, what I'm going to do. You know, I prepared what I needed to prepare. But Jesus is actually not finished with the story. He intends to breathe new life 
into things because that's what he does. The question is this morning is, you know, what is the tomb that is keeping you down? What are the things in the empty tomb that are in your life? You know, maybe it's a bad habit. Maybe it's a bad relationship. Maybe it's doubt. Maybe it's fear or maybe it's pride that's keeping you from God. My first point this morning, if you're taking notes, because as I heard at conference, note takers are history makers. <laughs> if you are taking notes, the first thing is because Christ rose, you can also rise. You can rise because Christ has risen. You know, he's not a God that's made of stone. He's not deaf. He's not mute. He's not static. He's alive. He is alive. He's risen. He's actually real. And we can have this one-on-one -on -one relationship. That is the most fundamentally amazing thing about the Christian faith and why I am a Christian. It's not because I get to go and do a repetitive sequence of religious events. It's because I have a living, breathing relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that is real every day, morning and night. There is no difficulty, no circumstance that God does not know about in my life. There is no need that he's not aware of. He's not surprised when I wake up grumpy because I didn't sleep and the kids gave us a bad night. He knows all of the little details, and yet he's still interested in me. He's still interested in who I am. And I love that about Jesus, is that because he rose, we can rise, and we can have this living relationship with God. And I think one of the things that, um, one of the reasons I don't think we, we don't rise, and there's many reasons, but one of the reasons I want to look at this morning is because often I feel like we don't move from the place of grace to the place of life. And I'm not talking about what church you go to. <laughs> I'm talking about we don't move from the place of grace where we are under God's grace to the place of having an abundant life. And it's true that, you know, we can all experience the God's grace, but we don't all experience God's life. If you think about it, many unbelievers experience God's grace. They know God's grace. The Bible even says that before, while we were even yet sinners, Christ died for us. We can all experience God's grace, but it doesn't mean that we always experience his life. We can experience many times over the grace of God in our lives. And don't get me wrong, the grace of God is amazing. Where would we be without God's grace? As we sang this morning, man, we need God's grace. God's grace is so good. But the truth is, is that if we don't move from just a place of goodness of God's grace and the goodness of God's grace and more of God's grace into actually abundant life and all that God has for us, we can remain on the shores of grace and miss the mark for God. And you know, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And uh, the Bible talks a lot about, you know, us moving from a place of grace to a place of life in God. Colossians 2.8 says, See to it then that no one enslaves you by the means of worthless deceit of human wisdom, which comes from the teachings handed down by human beings and from the ruling spirits of the universe, and not from Christ. For the full content of divine nature lives in Christ, and His humanity, and you have been given full life in union with Him. I love that thought that you've been given the full, the full content, everything you need. You know, like if you download like a whole series on Netflix for a whole season because you want to watch everyone back to back and you can get the whole load in one go. It's like everything of God, the full content, the beginning, the end, the middle, all is available to you. You don't just have to have the start, the little bit. And, you know, I was watching this documentary once on, uh, on uh, what's it called, the um, Freemasonry. And, that, and how they operate and everything. I was a little bit interested in that. I was like, about, and the guy was saying, oh, you have to come to the first meeting before you get to know what happens in the second meeting. And then he said, if you come to the second meeting, you get to know what happens in the third meeting. <laughs> and I was just like, mate, I'm not coming to the first meeting. But 
sorry, Jesus. You accept Jesus into your life, you get the whole package. You get the full content, man. He downloads everything into you that you need. You know, you're not left wondering whether he loves you. You're not wondering whether there's eternal life. No, no, no. He gives it to you right there and then. He gives it to you all in one moment. And I love that. But the truth is we don't have to remain on the shores of grace, but come into the very presence of God and live in communion with him. You know, you can live in sin and experience God's grace. It's true. But you won't experience his life because the wages of sin is death. Put it this way, like I, you guys know I got a new e-bike recently. And every sermon I try and get something in about my e-bike. But imagine if I got my e-bike and I set it up and I turned it all on and I charged the battery and I was sitting there and I got on the bike and I started pedaling, but I never turned on the E part of the bike. I just, you know, I just sat there and I just kind of pedaled. These bikes are heavy, man, because I got all these electronics and everything. But, you know, to pedal them without the power and the battery pack is really, really hard work. And that's kind of like us receiving God's grace, receiving God's grace, but never actually stepping into the life that God has for us. Because we were designed to run and to fly with that battery pack, with that power behind us, and to be set free from God's, from sin and from the wages of sin. So I want to encourage you this morning, church, don't live on the shores of grace. You know, it's time to move on from just living in God's grace. Yes, we need God's grace every day, but you need to move into abundant life. Because grace is immense and wonderful, but Jesus went to the cross. When he did that, he had eternity in mind for you. He had eternal life and fullness of life. So move from the graces of God to life in God today. Back to the story. So they've come to the tomb, and then in verse 6, we pick it up. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again, and they remembered they remembered his words. I think they got a slide for that verse as well coming up. And I love that part where he stops and he says they remembered his words. One of the keys, I reckon, to living the fullness of life from the empty tomb is knowing the truth, because when you know the truth, it sets you free. And knowing the truth is a massive part of the Christian walk, is actually knowing what does the Bible say? What does God say to us? So to live a life full from the empty tomb, you need to know what God is saying. What has God said about you? What does he say about who you are, your identity, about your future, about what's ahead of you? What does he say about your past and all the things that you've done? And what does he say about right now, the world you're living in, the relationships you're living in, the place that God has for you right now? All of it, God has already spoken about. He's spoken about it in his word, and he speaks about it to you in prayer. And he's always speaking, but we need to know what he's saying. Because when we know what he says, we know the truth. And uh, we sang a song at the conference, and um, it, was, it was a pretty catchy song, although the tune was a bit interesting. But there was this word in it that says, um, when my mind says, I'm not good enough, Lord, you're enough for me. And I was thinking about that song and that word, and I was thinking, man, if, if, only, <laughs> if only every generation could truly believe those words. You know, not just, I was going to say every young generation, but if every generation could believe those words. When my mind says, I'm not good enough. I don't know if you know any people in your lives at the moment, but when your mind says, I'm not good enough. God, you said you're enough for me. That's a massive statement to be able to absorb that and to say, actually, God, you already think the world of me. I don't need to do anything to gain or garner your love. You love me immensely and you know everything about me and you still love me daily. And that is a powerful truth. 
You know, the devil's native tongue is lying and deceit. That's his tongue. When he speaks lies, that's just his normal tongue. He's trying to, every moment, deceive and divide. And, uh, you know, everyone at the moment that I've been talking to, or you know, a lot of different people I've been talking to recently, have been up in arms about what's happening on social media uh, with Israel Folau. And I just thought about it the other day, and I thought, man, you know who the enemy is here? It's the devil. He's the, he's the one at the end of the day that is the enemy. He is the number one enemy. Yes, everyone has opinions and truths, but at the end of the day, we have one common enemy because he's the one that lies. He's the one that deceives. He's the one that wants to conquer and divide. Every Christian, every church, every leader, that is how he operates. We live in a world confu- completely confused by its morals, by its beliefs about right or wrong, about its decision. There's so many gray areas about policies, lawmaking. Man, some of the laws that are trying to get pushed through at the moment, even in New Zealand. We live in a society that is basically walking away from God, but yet God has given us this blueprint in the Word of God to know how to live, to know how to stand, and to know how to worship, and to give our lives wholly and completely to God. And I encourage you this morning, church, that you know the Word of God is powerful, living, active. This book has everything you need in it to live a life pleasing to God, and to get the most out of your life. And I believe right now, God is trumpeting a call to every believer to get back for a passion for the Word of God. You know, it came through many times at conference not to be lukewarm, not to be on the shores of lukewarmness, but to actually be full on for God, to know the Word of God, to, as Katie said this morning, to serve and to, uh, to be closer to God. And, uh, and, that, and so I believe right now it's a time to really hear that call to be someone that listens to that trumpet call and get a passion for God. We had our, um, my brother and his uh, wife and uh, their son over the other night, last night, and we were just, they were just telling us a story about how he's about six, I think, my, my nephew. He's, he's eight, yep. Thank you, honey. So, how old? No, I know how old you are. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, okay. Age, when you have four kids, man, you just lose track of exactly how old they are. But at the moment, it's really good because they're all two, four, six, and eight. No, they're not. Actually, they're not. <laughs> Soon they're going to be two, four, six, and eight, which is so much easier for the next six months. It's just like, oh, yeah, two, four, six, eight. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, the eight-year-old boy. So Ryan is his name, my nephew. But So he was in the car with five of his friends the other day, and they were going somewhere. And um, it, somehow it came up, and he said to his mum, who was driving, he said, oh, mum, you know, I can't wait for Easter, you know, because I'm a Christian, and I, I just really can't wait to celebrate Easter. And another friend in his car said to him, well, yeah, I'm a Christian too. I'm, I'm, I love God as well, and I love Jesus. And they were talking like this. And then one of the other kids in the car, he was listening, and, and Ryan, he said something like, yeah, because, you know, God's, God's awesome. God made the whole world. And his friend in the car goes, no, but it all started with a big bang. <laughs> and so Ryan, he's, he's a pretty fiery young guy. He, he, looks, he turns and he looks at his other friend in the car who was also you know, a Christian. And they look at each other and they have this expression on their face where they're like, a big bang? <laughs> and apparently they just looked at each other and were like, a big bang? And they were just cracking up and losing it. And they're like, why would we come from a big, how would a big bang start us? Oh my God, no, God, God created us. God made the whole world. God made the whole world. And I just was like, man, if only we had that faith, that whole understanding as an eight-year-old, God made the whole world. 
It's that simple, and yet we complicate it so much sometimes. But the truth is, is that he's heard that from somewhere. He's, you know, he's been around. He's, he's, he's either heard it from mum or dad. He's heard it in kitchen. What it, but he's heard this word, and he's believed this word, and he's right on this word. And I love that story because it reminds me that when you know the truth, it sets you free. Oh, did God create the whole world? Is God really in control? Does God really know my problems that I've got at the moment with my money or with a relationship or something that's going on? When you know the truth of God, it sets you free. It sets you free, and that is the life that God wants you to live. The Bible is your manual in life. It is your basic instructions before leaving earth, your Bible. And here's the thing. As a believer, this word needs to become your life. This word needs to become your blueprint in life. And uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And, you know, I know many people in this place, and God is equipping you for every good work. Equip yourself daily with the Word of God. Go through the soul food. Get hungry for the Word of God. Because this will be something that sets you free. You know, um, we're just in the process of getting a few presents for our son, Benjamin, our second oldest son. Because uh, it's his birthday next week and he's turning six. And I'm, Katie got him a Lego, you know, like a Lego kit or something that we're getting for a birthday. And I love Lego. I love getting my kids Lego presents because it means that I get to play with Lego as well. <laughs> and it's great fun. But, you know, when it comes to Lego, and you guys will know this if you play with it, you, you really have to follow the instructions with Lego well. Like if you start on page one and you flip to page six with Lego, you just end up with this. And, you know, you're looking at the box of Lego and the finished product looks awesome. Like whether it's some amazing little car that you pull back and goes, or it's a big crane or it's some sort of epic, you know, amazing sort of model. You look at the product on the box and you go, oh, man, that looks so cool. Um, but then you follow step by step because you want to end up with this amazing thing you've seen on the box. And sometimes I feel like as Christians... We so eagerly desire to end up with this amazing life God has for us, but we've neglected to actually go from step to step. You know, we've wanted to jump to page five. We've wanted to jump to page seven. Oh, I'm going to shortcut those areas of my life. I'm going to shortcut those pages. You know, that part about giving, yeah, maybe when, when, I'm, you know, when my income is at 1.5 million, oh, I'll think about giving. You know, oh, forgiving, no, that's for the really holy Christians. I'll leave that to other people but me. You know, I'm going to carry that with me. You know, we forget to and we neglect parts of our Christian life. But the truth is when we do that, we'll never actually end up at the finished version of what God wants to do. You know, Christ says, finish the race well. Run well your race. But, uh, you know, I know that God is, you know, God's success is not always worldly success. It's fruitfulness. It's actually what you're becoming. It's the fruits of the Spirit. But it takes those steps to get there. So read the Word daily and remember that believe for God to speak to you. Remember his word. So, you know, that house you want to buy in Auckland, it might feel impossible, but with God, all things are possible because that's what his word says. You know, your marriage or relationship with your children might be in one of the worst places you've ever felt it's been in. But the Bible says, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. You know, it's not, maybe you're feeling that you're just, you're just not worth anything right now on this Easter season. You're just feeling like life is crumbling around you, and you do not know how God could possibly pull you out of the mess you're in. But the Bible says you are worth more than many sparrows. Before you were born, God knitted you together in your mother's womb. Before any day happened in your life, he had the plans for you mapped out, and he said those plans are good, 
but for good and not for evil, to prosper you, to give you a hope and to give you a future. God already knows the plans and we just have to be willing to walk those steps and turn the page on those instructions one piece at a time and you can trust in his plan and his deliverance. So know the truth. Don't be deceived because when you know the truth, it will set you free. And the last part this morning and the last part of our story when they came to the tomb in verse 9, uh, that scripture, you guys got that? In Luke 24, it says, Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other woman with him who told these things to the apostles. Or like uh, Tussie said this morning, the apostles. I like that version, Tussie. And their words seemed to be like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling it to himself at what had happened. And I love that response. I love Peter's, just his ability to kind of go, man, I'm going to check this out for myself. I need to see if this is true. I've heard one report, but I'm not satisfied. I need to go and see for myself. And my last point this morning is that you need to run your race and you need to run it well. You know, we live in a world where on Instagram, everyone is putting out their Insta life where it's so easy to compare with what's happening next door, with what's happening in someone else's life, with where someone, God has taken someone else or with how many possessions someone else has or what kind of career someone else has. It's so easy to look outside and get distracted from what God has called you to run in your race. And like Tussie said this morning, God has actually said, this is your time. Jesus chose the cross because that was his determined path to go. But God has a path for you, and you need to run that race. No one else can run it for you. Only you can do it. But can I say to you this morning, run it and run it well. Go for it. Because when you give God your best, he will pour back into your life. He will give over to you more and above than you've ever known. And I know, because I am a living testimony of this, that when you give God your all, He meets you at where you're at. He meets you. He does the impossible. When you bring to God just what you have, the the, the small offering, He takes that. He multiplies it. He expands it. He does incredible, incredible things through it. You know, know, I I was raised in a family that was a mixed household. My my birth dad, he, he, he walked out before I was even born. So the day I was born, uh, he was gone off with someone else. And, uh, and then, you know, about a year, I was about maybe six year, months old, a year old. My mum remarried and my stepdad raised me, but I, I lived in this mixed household growing up. And I was fortunate to have an amazing stepfather because I know some don't, but I was fortunate. God is good to have a great stepfather raising me up. But, you know, there'd be times where there was that tension of knowing who was my dad. Was it, was it this guy or was it, was it this guy? And, and who was that person in my life? And, you know, I... I, at the end of the day, I'm so grateful to God that, uh, you know, with him, he knew where I would end up one day. He knew that one day I'd be standing here talking to you about the goodness of God. And throughout my whole life, I've seen how God has just shaped and molded and looked after me in different seasons and been faithful. But there became moments where I had to choose for myself, is this what I want to do? Is this the God that I want to serve? Is this the way that I want to go? You know, and I know for me that if I hadn't have run my race well, I could have stayed in Christchurch and never come to Auckland and decided to just do what I wanted to do down there. I could have got bitter about what happened growing up and not forgiven my dad and maybe carried that with me today. You know, I could have decided to stay in engineering and ignore the call of God and 
go and make a lot of money and have a good time. And not saying that making a lot of money is a bad thing, but I could have stayed in that and ignored what God was saying. Although, reading the story of Jonah, I might have ended up in a big fish or something worse. <laughs> so I know that there were moments where, God, okay, I'm choosing this for me. And I wouldn't say to you this morning on Easter Sunday, choose the run your race, run it well. Choose the place that God has got for you. No one else can run the track that you have. But when you run that, you will find that that is the place where God's provision, His protection, His power, and His presence flows in your life. If you try and run another way, or go to the left or the right, or you know, even slightly vary off the side, yeah, you can try. <laughs> Good luck. You, you can try it, definitely. And you know, at times we do that. We do, because we're all human. Man, we're all sinners. We've all got our things and our issues. But at the end of the day, God has a purpose and a plan for you. And you know, when you keep on that track, when you keep humble before God, Ask him daily for his help. He will do everything through you that, you know, he'll do amazing things through your life and he'll show you the way every step of the day. And I love how Peter responded. You know, he could have sat there. You know, the amazing thing about this is that in these times, for these women to be the first ones to meet Jesus, that was, number one, that was really embarrassing because in those times, you know, men were the ones that were, men were counted. When they counted a large number, feeding the 5,000 men, they didn't count the women. You know, in those times, culturally, for for a woman to be the first at something was really, really not the way, counterculture completely. So for these women to be the first ones that encounter the risen Savior of the world just shows you that Jesus did not care about what the culture spoke about. He spoke about life and about those that will seek him will find him. And here's these women encountering Jesus because they came to the tomb. They had the, I'm going to go and do something, and they met Jesus. And then Peter, I'm going to go and check it out for myself. Church, you've got to have, in this day and age, that willingness and that inside of you to say, I'm going to go and check it out. I'm going to be the one that goes. I'm going to be someone that actually seeks this out for myself. I'm going to rise up and run my race well. So if others believe around you have unbelief, if those in your family give you a hard time about being a believer in Jesus Christ, the friends at work tend to mock you about the way you go to church, all the values, all the morals you have. Can I encourage you? Stay faithful to God. Run your race well. Stand up for Christ in the place that he has put you. Don't settle for the status quo in life because all you will get will be the status quo. Live for Jesus in this time and he will show you what it means to have a life in him. You know, And I just wonder like, if Peter had caved to the mantra at his time, at the common theme at his time, and just remained with the other disciples, if Peter hadn't gotten out on the boat and walked on the water, if he hadn't got his sword out and chopped that guy's ear off, <laughs> I love that story, if he hadn't done all the stupid things he did, you know, but that's what we love about Peter when we read his life, is that he was just himself, that was him at his best, you know, maybe not chopping the ear off, that wasn't him at his best, but God used that stuff, he didn't discount it, you know, it's in the Bible to show us that God uses all that stuff to remind us that even in our good and in our bad, God is working through us and he wants to do something in our life. Mark eleven twenty six talks about forgive and you will be forgiven. You know, have an attitude that says whatever it takes, whatever it takes, I will run this race well. God used Paul, a Christian killing hypocrite, to write most of the New Testament. King David had murdered and adultery in his list of sins, but was eventually called a man after God's own heart. What's important is Paul and David didn't look back once forgiven. Instead of scalping through life, never feeling adequate or worthy of anything in their calling, 
they used the knowledge of who they were and what God had forgiven them for to embolden their message. Don't you love that? That God often takes some of the things we think were the worst parts of our story in our lives. He takes that and he uses it to highlight the goodness of his grace and his love and his mercy. And he triumphs that for all to see what God has done in our lives. So now is the time to forgive yourself, forgive others, forgive everything, and let God move in your life. You know, these legends of the faith, they knew the truth and they went on to their calling and they fulfilled it. I love what um, Ken and Jay John said at the conference. He said, why I'm a Christian is I believe that Christ came to forgive all the things that I've done. Christ came, I'm a Christian because he's interested and he wants to have life right now with me. And Christ came so that I have a hope for eternity. Three simple things. You know, I wonder what out of those things this morning where you're at, whether you're in a place of going, God, I, I don't know about the things I've done and I don't really know whether Christ actually accepts what I've done. I don't know if I could bring that to God. Or whether you're in a place of knowing that Christ has forgiven you, but you're not really sure whether you're going to go on with God for today. Or maybe you're in that place when you know God has saved you, He's moving in your life and you're looking forward to all the things that God has for you now and in eternity. But whatever stage you're at, can I encourage you, Christ came for each of those stages. He came so that each one of us could have life and life to the full. Like Luke 9, 62, as I wrap it up this morning, says, No one puts a hand to the plow and looks back. No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service of the kingdom of God. That's a really, really big statement because if you think about that, it's quite a demanding statement. But just reading into this a little bit, you know, in those times, Jesus is actually painting a picture that would have been really familiar for those hearing this for the first time. The plows used in those days, they were quite a primitive uh, object constituting a mere piece of wood with a handle at one end and a metal tip at the other end to break up the soil. So if a man was engaged in handling this plow, took his eyes off what he was doing, plowing up the ground, he would completely go off course and the whole work that he was doing would be unacceptable and crooked and he'd damage the area that he was in. He had to hold the metal tip in such a way that it produced the desired results as he was moving forward and it required constant attention. Now the thing is with Christ is that if we start going for Christ and we start taking our eyes off, we can end up often doing more damage than good. And you know, God is faithful. God is merciful. He comes to us over and over again. But can I encourage you this morning, when you put your hands to the plow, don't look away. Keep your eyes fixed on God. Keep your eyes fixed on Him. Because that work that He wants to do, He doesn't want that to end up a mess. He wants it to end up in the path that He wants it to go. So keep your eyes fixed on God this morning. Luke 17, 33 says, If you try and keep this life, you will lose it. But if you lose this life for Christ, you will find life. John 14, 19 says, because I live, you will also live. So this morning as the worship team just come back, just to remind us this morning that, you know, the first thing is, is that Jesus has risen from the dead. And because he rose, you can live. And secondly, if you want to live this life to the full from the empty tomb, know the word of God, know the truth of God and what it says, because the truth will set you free. If you need freedom this morning, remember the truth will set you free. So wherever you're at, whatever you're facing, align your heart and your mind with the Word of God and what it says about you and what it says about your situation and what it says about your future. And thirdly, you need to run your race and run it well. So run the race that God has for you today. 
You know, there's a uniqueness about the way that God has made you. There's a uniqueness about the way that God has gifted you and wired you. And when you run your race the way that God has for you, you'll end up doing things over and above that you ever expected. God will do amazing things for your life. So come on, let's just stand this morning and we're going to go back into... We're going to go back into that song, um, Covered by Your Grace, because I love the fact that we are covered by His grace. And as we worship this morning, you know, why don't you take a moment just to consider where your heart's at. Maybe you're at that place of going, God, I need your help to forgive the past. I need you to come in. Or maybe you're in that place of feeling like God's forgiven you, but you're not sure about going on fully with God. Or maybe, you know, you know God's forgiven you and you're walking with God. And you need to run your race well. Not get distracted and not compare with others, but just run the race that God has for you. So whatever it is this morning, as we worship, just open your heart to God. His presence is already here. Just allow Him to speak to you this morning. So come on, let's worship now. Please. 